Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Will Hart from Iris Global, and I'm here with Dr. Craig Keener. And we want to take a minute before you watch this clip uh, and, sh and share that we know that this is a contentious subject. And my prayer is that we could enter into a theological discussion around some of the key points and hear from a scholar's biblical perspective on Israel and a few key verses. But I would ask as you watch this, that you um, do this in a heart of love and peace and gentleness, just as we are approaching this. Yeah, I just, I just want to say to keep in mind the gospel. I mean, the, the heart of what we believe. Jesus died for all of us. Jesus loves everybody. So Jesus loves Jewish people. He loves Palestinians. He loves everybody else. Yeah. And when people, if, if there are some things you, you think that the government of Israel or certain Jewish people have done, don't lay that on all Jewish people. If there are some things that certain Palestinians have done, don't lay that on all, all Palestinians. Yeah. Um, again, I do believe that Hamas is a terrorist group. They've done yep. evil. Uh, there's, I think there's no, no question. No different than Al-Shabaab in Mozambique with, exactly. with, that, are, that are killing our pastors Ex exactly. and the Mozambicans that we know and love. Exactly. So as you watch this, take a deep breath. Um, yeah. Not everything has to be contentious. And we yeah. pray... Yeah. that this can give you a glimpse into scripture and theology to help us all navigate this because we're all on a journey yeah. learning as we go. And Jesus Jesus loves everybody, and we should too. Come on. Yeah, so we stand for what we think is right on the particulars, but we love everybody whether we think they're right or not. Come on. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to a very special episode uh, of the Irish Global Green Room. This is going to be an Irish short green room, um, but it's in response to what just took place uh, in Israel with myself, my wife, the Harvest School, Heidi, and I thought it would be good as I've been processing the last week. I just, I've only been home a couple of days now, about 48 hours uh, I've been home from uh, getting out of Israel. And I have had some major questions uh, since we were there, the war, uh, and, and everything that's taken place. And today, we get the honor of having Dr. Craig Keener from Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, who's a friend, who's somebody that I look up to and respect very much in the theological world. And I thought we could take this time, and instead of just talking about right and wrong, um, I was hoping we can get a little bit of a biblical perspective on Israel and some theological points that have come up. So uh, you are not going to want to miss this uh, this episode. Just to to begin with, make sure if you do like this, share, subscribe, uh, hit the like bell. It it really does help us with the algorithm and uh, and share this with everyone. Um, Dr. Keener, you don't know actually what took place. So I'll fill them in and I'll fill mm -hmm. you in at the mm -hmm. same time. And then I have a couple of questions. Um, I have never wanted to go to Israel historically. Wow. Uh, my experience with a charismatic church, uh, which has been my experience, right, has been up until a year ago uh, was what I always said was this. I, I don't need to go to Israel. I'd rather go to a place like Palestine or Syria or uh, Iran, right? There's enough Christians that were going to Israel and that was because my experience in the charismatic world was, you know, 
women wearing yarmulkes and prayer shawls and star of David shaped tambourines and all of this stuff. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but Heidi, uh, she begged and pleaded that I would go to Israel. And uh, a year ago, almost a year ago today, my wife and I went on our first trip and I was hoping to have some crazy experience, right? Some life changing that everybody said I would have. And I can honestly say I did. It didn't come in the form that I thought it would with some, mm-hmm. you know, prophetic experience. But what I walked away from Israel, my first experience, my first trip was I walked away with a view of his sovereignty, of God's sovereignty that I'd never had. Mm-hmm. I felt so small mm-hmm. um, in the midst of all this history, in the midst of the church, in the midst of this, um, you know, Judaism, this monotheistic religion from from the days of Genesis up until today that God has been moving and I felt so insignificant being there in the land that was my first experience my second experience I fell in love which was about six months ago I fell in love with um with the temple uh Shiloh being at Shiloh was one of my top Mm -hmm. experiences um walking there uh just walking in the place where God spoke uh and called Samuel it it struck Mm -hmm. my heart and then this last trip was about a week and a half ago. I started, maybe almost two weeks now started. And we were there with a team, with a school. And then on the 7th, which was only a few days ago, uh, about a, it has been about a week and a half ago, actually, around the 7th, uh, we woke up to bombs yeah. going off over our head outside of Jerusalem. And for the next whew, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, um, we spent four days in and out of bomb shelters seeing the horrific news of yeah. what was taking place real time, yeah. hearing stories real time, face to face with people that were uh, living outside uh, of Gaza, um, hearing, I saw videos on their phones of them fighting uh, the Hamas mm-hmm. uh, extremists that came mm-hmm. in and brutalized uh, their friends, their family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I saw things that I, that I wish I could unsee. And then at the same time, navigating, getting our school out of Israel over into the Jordan. So we spent four days in the midst of the chaos for almost five days. And as I have gotten back home, I've, I was so busy with the team doing whatever we could to plan and get people out that I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it from a biblical standpoint. But as I've, as I've been home and as I've been listening to both sides and all of the, the voices that are now out there screaming this, number one, I don't want to be another voice uh, that's picking a side. Uh, <laughs> even though that one of my questions to you is, should we pick a side biblically, which we'll get to in a second. I, I wanted to take this time and, and ask you to help me process the main thing that I have been struggling over in the middle of all this on my own journey, going from not ever caring about Israel, right? Just knowing that it was an important thing in the Bible to now <laughs> having a front row seat after my heart falling in love with Israel, yeah. not knowing fully why, and now having a front row seat to this war and navigating all this stuff. And as, as I have boiled it down, the first question that I have for you is, is about um, replacement theology. 
And I thought that would be a good place to start. Uh, replacement theology, I find to be at the core of this discussion, at least for the church. Um, let's put aside uh, Palestine, Israel, Hamas. Let's just put that aside. And as the church, as Christians, how should we res- be responding? And replacement theologies, I felt like was at the core. And I, maybe as the theologian, could you explain in layman's terms what replacement <clears throat> theology is? Well, in its usual form, replacement theology is that the church replaced Israel, which has been has been a view in much of the church for a long, long time. I mean, since fairly early centuries. And it's exactly the opposite of what Paul said in Romans 11 mm. when he told the Gentile branches not to boast against the, their, their Jewish roots and the Jewish branches that are broken off because of their unbelief, because he says you also can be broken off because of your unbelief. But the, the idea of boasting against the branches, you know, saying we've replaced them, <laughs> that's exactly what Paul warned against. And I think it tracks with the history of Christian anti-Semitism. It tracks with, um, it tracks with the very bad witness that Christendom has often offered to the Jewish people. Hmm. Um, now, in saying this, I mean, there's all sorts of qualifications and caveats because there is a relationship between Israel and the church in the New Testament. So I, I can go into that also. But just in terms of replacement theology in its you know, sense that the church has replaced yeah. Israel, Paul is so clear in Romans 11. I mean, obviously the Old Testament talks about the restoration of Israel. It's talked about in, in Acts 1. Uh, with the disciples' question, Jesus doesn't say it's, it's not going to happen. He just says it's not for you to know the times of the seasons. I believe it's there in, in Acts 3, 19 to 21. I believe it's even there when, you know, Jesus says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That that is, um, in, in Luke, that's, Jesus says that before, uh, they, say, they hail him, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But in Matthew, it said after that. So Matthew is looking forward to a time when it's going to happen again. They're going to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So you have that in Romans 11. Sometimes people will naturally find it in, in Romans eleven twenty six when it talks about all of Israel being saved. Some interpreters take that as all of Israel being saved. Uh, Jewish and Gentile yeah. <laughs> to, together. Um, and, and you know, if, if the only context you have is, is Romans 9, where Paul says not all those who are descended from Israel are Israel. So you know, he's saying you have uh, Abraham has um, both Ishmael and Isaac, yep. and only Isaac received the promise. Ish- Ishmael was blessed too, but only Isaac received the promise. Jacob and Esau, only Jacob received the promise. And Paul is saying, look, salvation is not based on your ethnicity. But when you get to Romans 11, Paul is consistently using the term Israel in a certain way. And he also says, you know, how God arranged it so that the Gentiles would have a turn. Yeah. But then ultimately the Jewish people would also turn. It's not just in verse 26. It's in the, in the whole context. And Paul, 
Paul even includes kind of a strategy for it. Paul's vision is that with all these Gentiles coming into the kingdom, recognizing that they've been grafted into the heritage of Israel, yeah, um, that the Jewish people will see, oh, wow, it's just like what you have in the prophets and Isaiah and Zechariah and, and so on, where uh, Gentiles are being gathered in and, and being grafted into God's people. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 19, uh, Zechariah 2, and, and so forth, where it actually s- talks about Gentiles becoming parts of right. God's people. Right. Uh, Isaiah 56. And Paul Paul's saying, they'll see that this is happening through faith in the Messiah Jesus, and it will bring bring the rest of the Jewish people to recognize that Jesus is the promised Messiah. But Paul's strategy has never been fulfilled because it was mm-hmm. never really implemented. Because instead of Gentiles coming in and saying, wow, we worship your God, the Gentiles were coming in and saying, uh, we are the new Israel, you guys are out. Um, yeah. Pe- people boasting instead of humbling themselves and serving the way of the kingdom. So do you see Israel as a race of people, right? Is, it, is Israel the Jewish race? Or do you see Israel as um, a, a nation? Paul, Paul is talking about an ethnicity there. He's not okay. talking about a, uh, and I use ethnicity in a, in a broad sense. So um, I would include, obviously, Messianic Jewish believers. Yeah. Um, they identify, they continue to identify with Israel, yeah. uh, the Jewish people. Yeah. And, and um, also, I have friends in Jordan yeah. uh, who are Arabic Jewish, uh, they, their their Jewish lineage is yeah. more than most Messianic uh, American <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that I've met. Yeah, so including that and including uh, non-believing Jewish people, mm-hmm. um, where Paul speaks of the branches broken off, but he says they can be grafted back in. And in the context when he talks about all of Israel being saved, it, it may not mean every individual Jewish person. Mishnah Sanhedrin 10.1 talks about, um, you know, all of Israel will be saved and then goes on to enumerate certain people who won't be, yeah. <laughs> uh, even though they were Jewish. But the idea is Israel as a whole is opposed to the current remnant. Now, the remnant today is a lot bigger than it's been for hundreds of years. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if it's a, it's probably a smaller proportion, though, than it was in the first century. Yeah. But... There's this, there's this expectation that the Jewish people as a whole will turn to faith in the Messiah. It's not talking about the nation-state of Israel, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously the nation-state of Israel is closely intertwined with okay. the Jewish people. Yeah, th- this is... Okay, so uh, in my journey, this mm-hmm. is my personal journey, um, I never understood. I Like I said, I showed up blind. I'm in this a year. So I ask that all of you guys who are watching realize this is a conversation. Uh, and please forgive any ignorance that I might have. Or, or mine too. Okay. But forgive me first. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so my experience was I, I went there and I, and people started saying, don't, don't use the term missionary. Don't use, uh, don't, don't call yourself a Christian. I'm like, why? And they go, you're because you're as bad as Hitler. And I think a lot of times and I didn't I had no idea what they were talking about. And I think a lot of times when we talk about replacement theology, it's very much linked to racism. You mentioned it yourself. Uh, 
and and or anti-Semitism, racism. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't understand this until on this right mm -hmm. as I was flying over in my first few nights in Israel. I I read um, Dr. Brown's book. Our hands mm -hmm. are stained with blood, and and I finally understood that Christians are not celebrated just because they're not Jews. It, it, Christians are not celebrated at least in Israel, amongst a lot of the Jewish com community, because a lot of Christian theologians uh, were very anti-Semitic in what they preached. Yes. And then Hitler, the Crusades, a lot of it, a lot of the justification for killing the Jews, murdering the Jews, was a lot of Christian theology was used to justify that. Yeah. And I don't have it all in front of me. Uh, but as I was listening to all the citations of the different theologians, well-known theologians were very anti-Semitic. Luther, uh, not not early on, but yeah, the later Luther, mm -hmm. Hitler made great use of of Luther. Very, very tragic. So Christians aren't celebrated, but yet there's this um, there's this theology, right? Uh, of the church is now Israel. That cannot help. That mm -hmm. cannot help the. Mm -hmm. this narrative that that we're here to love yeah to love the Jews yeah now now it is important because some people have um, gone to the other extreme and completely separated the church from Israel so it is important to to keep in mind there's a continuity um, in in the in the Old Testament you have the people of God mm -hmm. uh, Israel is the covenant people but in most generations, you had a remnant within Israel who were really walking with God. So not uh, being saved is not coextensive with uh, the, the ethnically chosen people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you had some Gentiles, usually it was very few, but yeah. you had some Gentiles who would become part of the covenant. Uh, Rahab or Ruth yeah. or so on. You get that from Matthew chapter 1. Uh, but you also have in the New Testament where you have many Gentiles coming in. Now the issue is, how do you become a proselyte? And in the Old Testament, naturally, I mean, Genesis 17, circumcision is is the major way of identifying with the covenant. Although there were other other peoples who practiced circumcision, but to be part of the covenant uh, that God made with Israel. And so that you can see why Paul's rivals in Galatia yeah. required people to be circumcised. But for Paul and for New Testament theology as a whole, yeah. circumcision is just an outward marker yeah. of the covenant. And what matters more than that is the inward reality of the covenant. The prophets talked about with the new covenant or the renewed covenant there would be the outpouring of God's Spirit on his people. Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 37, Isaiah 59, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 44.3, uh, um, and, and, and of course Joel, Joel 2 in the English translation is actually 3 in, uh, in the uh, Hebrew and Greek versions, but I don't know why they did that. <laughs> why the English I didn't, didn't even know didn't, they did that. Did, yeah. Yeah. But um, so for Paul... The, the marker of God's people who are in covenant relationship with God mm -hmm. is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's true for Acts uh, and, and so on. So 
Paul can speak of believers in Galatians 3 as having the uh, promise to Abraham, the blessing of the Spirit. Uh, not all Gentiles, but I mean Gentile believers have that, and yeah. therefore they can be called children of Abraham. Yeah. Like the song we sing, Father yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Uh, sorry if I'm, I'm yeah, probably off key. You're good. <laughs> but, um, and uh, there's more debate on Romans 2 about the spiritual circumcision, but you have that in the Old Testament too, Deuteronomy 30 um, and, and elsewhere about being spiritually circumcised. So, and, and Colossians 2 talks about, about it as well. Circumcision made without hands. Mm. So, for Paul, Gentile believers in Jesus are grafted in to the saved community. And we need to recognize what we've been grafted into. Right. This is the heritage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. This yep. is the heritage of biblical Israel. Can, can I read that really quick? Is this yeah. Romans? I got Romans eleven sixteen through 24. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. 17. If some of the branches have been broken off... And you, though a wild, though though a wild olive shoot have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this: you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Do you want, want to throw anything before I keep going? Okay. Uh, if you if you do just the word, the word the word of God is always more powerful than <laughs> <laughs> yeah but even as I'm reading this I'm like okay I got roots and sap here we go uh, if you say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in granted oh I'm sorry branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in granted but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith do not be arrogant arrogant but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. Verse 23, And if they do not perish in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree? Explain this. Yeah, go ahead with verses 25 and 26 also. Oh, I don't have it. I'll find it, oh, though. Sorry. Give me a second. I'll get, I'll get 25 and 26 up, but explain what we have while I'm pulling that out. Uh, I, well, if you can, I, I, it just seems so self-evident. I don't know if I need to explain too much, but uh, I want you to uh, here. Here's, let me, let me put it like, explain this to an 18 year old that's watching. That's never that they're getting inundated with social media right now. Uh -huh. That's saying, believe this, believe that. And they have, they have like me, no understanding of any of this. Just talk to me like I'm a 18 year old for the first time getting this. We, as believers in Jesus, we've been grafted into the heritage of Israel. 
we therefore need to recognize our unity with the heritage of Israel, and we need to not look down on the Jewish people who gave us that heritage and and whose... Uh, Actually, Romans 9 says it belongs to them. Mm. It's, it's already theirs, and so uh, it's easy for them to be grafted back in. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so grafted, the language of the grafting <laughs> in terms of being in the covenant relationship, in terms of relationship with God, but we need to recognize the, the Jewishness of our faith. Yeah, okay. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. 27? Oh, well, you could finish reading the chapter if you want to. I can't. I'm going to encourage all of you guys to finish reading it just because of time. We only have a limited time. Okay. But... Where do we stand with this okay. as the church in, in regards to our theology? Well, um, in terms of the fullness of the Gentiles coming in, we know from other scripture to the same idea, going back to Jesus, the good news of the kingdom must be preached among all the nations. Mm-hmm. Then the end will come. The nations will be judged according to how they've received the, the messengers of the kingdom. Um, so... God has given a time for more of the Gentiles to come in because when Israel turns back to God fully, the Messiah will return. At least that's the way I understand it. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of different ways to understand it, but I think I think that is is what it's talking okay. about. It fits it, it fits the theology of other parts of the New Testament, including the Book of Acts. And uh, now, at the same time, in terms of recognizing the Jewishness of our faith. You have like in Revelation chapter 7, the 144,000, and uh, who are the 144,000? Obviously the Jehovah's Witnesses. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) The the early theory, but uh, you you have in Revelation 7, 1 to 8, this picture of 12,000 Jewish believers from every tribe, um, so all 12 tribes, and a specific number of them. And then in verses 9 through 17, you have believers from every kindred and tribe and people and nation, and it's an innumerable multitude, not just 144,000. So there are a couple ways that this could be taken, and I think you can make an argument for either one. I'm going to argue for the second one. But the first one is that the first group are Messianic Jews, Mm -hmm. and... The second group are uh, Gentile believers who are grafted in. But to me, there's some problems with that. Like, probably there's going to be, well, obviously there's going to be more than 144,000 Messianic right. Jews. But also, these are all male Jewish virgins. What what about the women? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so on. And then also, you, you, you go into the second part of it, verses 9 through 17, there are two really strong biblical allusions there, both of them to the book of Isaiah. One is Isaiah 25, one is Isaiah 49. And both of those passages refer to uh, something that God does for Israel as people. But in Revelation, 
the wording is changed so that it's applied to God and the Lamb mm-hmm. doing this for these people from every kindri- kindred tribe, people, and nation. Yeah. And I think that the second vision is giving another another twist, another perspective on the first vision. Um, because you, you see these numbers again, the 144,000 are standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion in chapter 14. And then in chapter 21, the dimensions of the New Jerusalem. In, in Greek, it's 12,000 stadia times 12,000 stadia times 12,000 stadia with a wall of 144 cubits, which is utterly disproportionate. Okay. But he's using the same numbers again because this is the city of God for the people of God. Yeah. The, the, the New Jerusalem is for the New Jerusalemites, and those who are standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion represent those who are, uh, those who are God's people, soteriologically speaking. Yep. And so I see the, the group in uh, 7, 1 to 8 as, as examining God's people, those who are saved, those who are sealed with the Spirit, as referring to all, all of God's people, but from the perspective of those who are participating in the heritage yeah. of, of Israel, uh, those who will dwell in the New Jerusalem someday. But again, in light of Romans 11, and this one isn't for sure, but I think in light of Revelation 11, yep. that that will include the turning of the Jewish people at the uh, time of the end. But this wow. is all highly debated stuff. Yes. So thank you for helping us navigate it. One last rapid fire question. Mm-hmm. Where should the church stand on supporting Israel? You know, even in the even in the Old Testament, Israel wasn't always right. God sometimes judged them. Now, in this case, what Hamas did was unprovoked. I mean, it, it's just totally immoral. Hamas, it's very much like, I spend a lot of time in Nigeria. It's very much like Boko Haram. Same thing in Mozambique. It's the exactly. exact same thing that we're exactly. seeing in Mozambique right now. And yeah, and in, in other parts of the world too, ISIS. Mm-hmm. So utterly unjustifiable. I don't personally. I don't think that everything that Israel has always done to the Palestinians has been right. Yeah. Um, but none of that excuses Hamas or what they've done. Um, and in in supporting Israel's right to exist. And supporting Jewish people yeah. in in their their right to be Jewish, obviously. Yeah. I mean, we should we should be there, but that's. But again, sometimes U.S. Christians have wanted so much to identify with Israel that they've, you know, justice is an issue, and I think Israel has often done a good job, but sometimes they, sometimes certain politics in Israel yeah. may not have been. Yeah. You don't we don't have to I think we're free to look at those those issues, but that's separate from the question that Hamas raises, like Hamas wants Israel to be annihilated. Yeah. That is just utterly yeah. evil. Yeah. It is. And first of all, thank you, Dr. Keener, for letting me kind of put you on the spot, rapid fire. Um I, I know I need to listen to this again and fully understand everything that was said, but uh, and, and, and excuse my ignorance. No, I, I think I think the main thing is what what I heard 
was replacement theology. Uh, Israel in the Bible is Israel. It's the Jewish people. It's the right. place. It is not. It is not a representation of the church. Israel is now mm. not the church. However, there are many parallels right. in the two, and we can't be scared to find those parallels. Mm-hmm. But when the Bible says Israel, it's speaking about Israel. Well, when Romans eleven speaks, <laughs> yeah, um, different passages may may use the language differently. Although I don't think there's a debate about Galatians six, but I don't think Paul. Yeah, I think that language is sometimes read into it. But in terms of being spiritually circumcised, spiritually children of Abraham, I think. Yeah. Um, but that also means we need to recognize our kinship with yep. the Jewish people. And I, as, as I've uh, taken my trips and been on my journey, here's what I would encourage everybody to do as we close this podcast out. I would encourage you all, when things calm down, to go to Israel uh, there's yeah. something there. There's yes. something beautiful. Yes. And there's something that is life-changing. And I was one of the ones that never believed there would be. And I want to encourage you all. There's something there yes. that you all need to uh, jump in. And I would encourage you, as we're in this crazy time, stay on your face. Stay praying. Draw closer yeah. to Jesus. And let's cry out for a move of God yes. uh, in the midst of all of this. We don't... I, I, yeah. All I know is that Jesus came to save the lost. Yeah. And 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 I'm praying that he does it and I know you're doing the same. Okay? Dr. Keener, thank Thanks. you so much. Guys, thank you for watching this. Uh, if you like this, get it out. We will see you on the next Irish Global Green Room. Okay.